so where do you go with all the lies? So, you know, lie, obviously, I'm not going to get past the sexual addiction. I'm not smart enough. Yeah. My dad's messed up, right? And I had, I had a mentor of mine say, Tony, you're a miracle. Mm. You know, I had a son killed when I was younger in age. And I'm not going to go into details because somebody yeah. else is involved in that or what age or anything. But it, it, it hurt me for years, 17 years of my life. If I saw a man playing with his son, it ripped my heart out. And then the story that the enemy put on me is because you were too stupid. And that's why she did what she did. Hey everybody, this is Troy Mangum. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. Did you know your life is a message that God is wanting to communicate to the world? Every episode, I get to interview friends of mine, people that I think are awesome, whose life is communicating a message that needs to get out to the world. Thank you for joining. So I have the opportunity to have a very good friend of mine, uh, Tony Cologne. You and I have been sitting across from each other in a group of men for how long? Seven years at least. Yeah. And, uh, and we have both grown a lot in the seven years and got to know each other in a really... Uh, uh, really deep way mm-hmm. as far as just how God has, you know, kind of interwove us and your background with Kings Park and all of that. And uh, so I uh, am excited to have you on because you have an amazing story. God has done incredible things in your life, uh, big time. Yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> big time. So, uh, so. I wanted to have you on and just kind of talk about um, really kind of where you come from and how God has kind of helped you uncover some of the stuff that, you know, really were lies in your life. Satan was lying to you. The world was lying to you. You were lying to yourself. And just how God kind of just helped you just undo a lot of that and restore so much of your life and uh, to where you are today. So, Yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, a lot of times people always ask me questions like, man, you're amazing, all this stuff, and they don't understand what I've been through. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I was obviously born in the Bronx in New York City, and yeah. I'm the middle son, the older brother, younger sister. Yeah. And, you know, now, <clears throat> as you start walking with God, he starts connecting the dots in your life, mm-hmm. and you start realizing what happened, what lies, what... Um, even lies about God and lies about yourself. And, you know, the big, the first lie that I really received from the enemy was I'm not smart enough. You know, I really couldn't comprehend how to read till I was in my 30s. So, you know, throughout school, you look at when you're young, a little kid, and, and um, you know, you're in school and teachers ask you questions and you can't answer them and they're wrong. Or they ask you to read and you hear all the kids chuckling in the background. Yeah, and all of that is, you know, you're stupid. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. So that was like one of the first ones. But I bet you figured out something to handle that, didn't you? Oh yeah, you know, obviously there's a as when a wound you become a poser, and and how I handled that was I want to make you my friend, or if you cross me in the wrong way, I will hurt you. 
Yeah. So I've had, and, and the, <laughs> it's crazy, the fights I've had when I was younger, and now I see that it was training for, for kicking the, the enemy in the butt now. So yeah. I'll explain that in a few minutes as yeah. I go through my story. You've been, you've been a fighter in training. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that was a situation that was really hard. But, I, you know, as a young kid, you overcome it because you start making friends, you become the clown. Um, and also, you know, somebody mess with you. Like, I, I have hurt people bad. Like, yeah. one time I, I almost killed a kid by hitting him in his throat. Yeah. Um, he called me uh, a bad word, like you would call a, a brother the N word, and, yeah. and for Puerto Rican is another word for that one. Yeah. And I just turned around and hit him, and um, it's a shame that you you know you get wounded and all these things happen, and then you attack. But now that I look back at it, I was just sharing with a man this week that it was training for the enemy because now yeah. the enemy says anything to me that doesn't line up, I turn around and hit him and slap him with truth. Yeah. So, yeah. So no, that's, that's one, great. you know, and the other thing was, <clears throat> you know, what I realized in life is this, is that when we're born, you know, we're creating God's image and he starts with the end before he, he creates you. Yeah. So, you know, like now I'm rescuing men. I'm helping a lot of men from the deception of the enemy. Mm. So if you look at life, you know, God doesn't make anything without a purpose. Yeah. So now I see my purpose and now I see the family he put me in was designed for my purpose. Mm -hmm. But when you're going through the junk and you're going through the crap in your life, like my parents didn't, neither one of them, I think the, they went through third grade and fifth grade. So obviously they, they didn't know anything about school, reading or whatever, so they couldn't help me. Right. Okay, and then my dad, he had a vision to take care of my grandmother which is really cool. He took care of her. She lived with us until she passed away. Uh -huh. But then when she died, he died inside. Yeah. He went from, you know, drinking on the weekends to drinking every day to becoming a bum to um, seeing him on the streets. And um, even, even got how, into... How long did that period of time take? I mean, from that kind of to where he was really in desperate... Oh, it happened... <clears throat> My grandmother died in 1980, and he died like within four or five years after that. Wow. So all of that happened very fast. Very fast, you know. So before wow. that, my parents would argue and fight and things of that nature in front of me as a kid. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> But the full-fledged alcoholism straight to a bum in the street yeah. was hard to see him going down like that. Yeah. But the father, he hurt me beyond what you can think or imagine. Yeah, you know, I've seen him and, and things that that a young man should never see his dad. And I'm keeping it clean because of the recording. Yeah, but um, you know, he he even got attracted to same sex attraction, and yeah. I saw some some of that happening in my life, and it just ripped my heart out. Yeah, but you know, the crazy thing is, like I said, I'm I'm a rescuer of men. Yeah, and I never had any bitterness towards my dad. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. the grace. That's the grace of God. That's crazy. That's crazy because he hurt me so much. I'm I'm talking about crying, taking his alcohol, throwing it out, taking him to rehab centers, um, pleading with him, Dad, please stop, please stop, and he would never stop. And um, <clears throat> and then by the grace of God, years later, when I got a mentor, which I'll talk to you about, talk to you about him in a few minutes. Yeah. Because I had a man starting to mentor me, started to father me, and I went to my dad and said, Dad, I love you. Mm. My dad never told me that. Yeah. And um, and then one time he got sick in a hospital and I went to his bedside 
And I told my dad, I said, Dad, I just want to let you know that I forgive you for everything you did to me. Wow. And it was like demons were coming off of him. He was crying like a baby. And I could just almost visualize him changing right in front of me. And then I said to him, now I want you to be me forever. The only way to do that is accept Christ. And he got saved. And it was at that moment that my dad started validating me as his, as his son. So I fathered my dad for the first 30-something years of my life. And then he gets saved. And at that moment, he became my dad. Because he started validating me as, as, you know, this is my son, talking to the nurses. This is my son. He never gave up on me. He's always been there for me. I love him so much. I've hurt him so much. And he forgave me. And, and I would come in and, and read the Bible to him, even though I couldn't hardly even comprehend how to read. But he was just taking it and taking it and taking it in. And I really believe... Now, how old were you around that time? Uh, probably 33, 34. Okay. okay. Maybe, let me see, I, I can't even remember. It's <laughs> the 30s. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the 30s. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so at that time I started reading, but it wasn't that sharp. Right. But, the, but the thing is, is it was just amazing. And, and I say it was God's grace that he only was living for about another 60 days. Because I believe that the Lord said, if I let him go out, he's going to go right back into the same thing. It was the grace of God to keep him. And, and it was the best two months of my life with my dad. And it gave me everything I needed to do what I'm doing today. Because there's no man that can come with me with any excuse of why they can't forgive their father. Yeah, right. Because my dad hurt me in a big way. And I even... I know your backstory. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you can forgive, anybody can forgive. Yeah. And so that happened to me, and um, so that was the first man I ever rescued was my own father. So that was really cool. <laughs> it was cool. Um, and because, um, <clears throat> but it was God. Yeah. I did nothing. Yeah. It was the Holy Spirit. I never had any bitterness, any anger, any unforgiveness towards mm. my dad. I always went after his heart. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I was clean before, but I caught my dad in a sexual situation with a man. Yeah. And how many kids would just say, the heck with you, I'm out of here, I'll never deal with you. Yeah. And I just kept going after his heart. But it wasn't me, it was just the Holy Spirit doing yeah, it, preparing you. me yeah. for the journey of my life. So if a man tells me right now, I can't forgive my dad or whatever, I just said, well, you ever catch him in the position with another man? No, I did, and I forgave my dad. So what's your excuse? Exactly. Because you see, what I realized is brokenness plus time and redemption equals funny. <laughs> so brokenness, time with the Lord, letting him redeem you and heal you, Yeah. equals funny. And the reason I say it's funny is I mentor people that are crazy successful. Mm. And I always said I had two brain cells and one was waving bye-bye to the other. I was pushed through the school. I couldn't read. And now look what the Lord has done. Yeah. So I'll sit down and in my head, I'm, I'm just laughing inside. Yeah. I'm saying, wow, Lord, you're a miracle worker because look at this person who yeah, has all these degrees and look they're asking me are. questions about marriage and about their kids and, yeah. and all this stuff. It's just well, it's, wild. It's, <clears throat> the brokenness of the world does not respect our, our, our strata of society. Mm -hmm. It's brokenness all the way through. Yeah. And uh, and that's what's so great about talking with you is because you are a story of a brokenness that has been redeemed and then sent into the battle. 
yeah. to say to to rescue and to pull and to wake folks up and uh, yeah. but yeah I mean you're, yeah your backstories well anyway yeah. you got you got lots of stories so. yeah and then the other one is you know the the defilement of the enemy when I was young well mm-hmm. let me tell you this story this is crazy so I had a Joseph moment when I was about eight to ten years old. Mm. My aunt was into Santeria, which is like a voodoo type of worship, idol worship. And I was at a sit in the, in the, I don't know what you would want to call it, some kind of a religious setting. And they you know, cut a, a chicken's head off and made an idol and people dancing, African music playing. And, and um, I'm in that, that in the back of the room. So the place probably sat 50, 60 people. It's a pretty nice sized room. And everybody's yelling, and I've seen people hover off tables, demonic stuff. It's yeah, crazy. and this levitate, is as a kid. Levitate off tables, yeah, as yeah. a kid. Yeah. And um, so there was one person who was leading the whole group, and he's jumping around. All of a sudden, he stopped, like normal, turned around, and walked straight to me, and I was with my aunt. And he said to her, ask her, can I pray for this little boy? And she said, yes. And he told me I would have two boys and two girls, a following of men, and I'd be extremely successful. He said wealthy. And then he turned around, and he walked back like normal, and then he started jumping around like crazy. Whoa. So what I believed was this. <clears throat> what he's doing is crazy, but what he told me was from God. Yeah, that's, uh, um, what is that false prophet that was, uh, I want to say it's Balaam, that was hired by king to curse Israel. Mm-hmm. And he was not godly. I mean, he's a prophet for hire, right? Mm-hmm. But then he's like, I cannot do what the Lord does not. I mean, so I believe that. I believe God can use anything to speak, <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, when he wants to. Yeah. So my whole life, no matter what happened to me, I always believed I was set apart for God mm. and for his mission in my life. Mm. And, you know, today I have two boys and two girls. Mm. I have a following of men. Yeah. And I'm being mentored by the the twentieth most influential leader in leadership development in the world right now. Yeah. You are the people you hang out with, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just crazy. And um And that was at eight years old, right? That was at eight years old. Yeah. yeah. But it was right after that was I believe when the enemy started attacking me, the glory of my life. Could you imagine the enemy has his party going on? Right. And then God comes in and stops his leader to come and give me a word of blessing and control that leader and then t- send them back to him. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm coming against that little boy. Because that was at, at that moment, I believe, was a time when I first found my my dad's first magazine, the porn type of a magazine Yeah. in, in the house. And it was like a defilement moment. Yeah. It, it's like, you look at that and it's like something just sucks you. Yeah. I got you. You don't realize it, but from that day forward, I had to get back to those magazines. Yeah. And it started a foundation in my life that went nuts. As far as sexual, just just all, yeah. All get up crazy, and that yeah. was my high. Yeah. And, you know, I'd been with three different women in one day, had five girlfriends at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and even after that, that wasn't enough. And I was an addict. Yeah, you were consumed. I, yeah, I talked to a heroin addict, and he tells me the same rush that you get doing heroin is the same rush that you get from from um, spending time with women. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, 
So that happened at around 10 to 12 years old. And then by that time I started having girlfriends and, and um, you know, there's other stories in there that we're doing a podcast. I don't want to share yeah, with no, other people's yeah, life. I hear you. Other people's <laughs> names and that. People, you know? people can, yeah, yeah, it can get bad. It can get bad. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. You know, you're not smart enough. Mm. Um, you got this addiction at twelve. At twelve years old, I was forced in a home into a homosexual thing. Mm. That um, by the time, <clears throat> literally, until about four years ago, I never mentioned it to anyone. Yeah. But throughout the years, now I've done triathlons, I've done marathons. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, you see somebody strong, and and every once in a while, a little thought would come to my head. You see, you're gay. You're queer. Yeah. And um, so one time I'm mentoring the man. I said, if you tell me 99.9% the truth, you told me a lie. And everything I'm counseling you, praying for you yeah. on, is all based on a lie. Mm. So how's that going to work? And that night I felt really heavy. And the next morning, it was like Satan said, you see, you're a hypocrite. Because you never told anyone what happened to you at 12 years old. Yeah. At that moment, I picked up the phone. The, son, the teaching uh, is called the five-second rule, which is when God puts something on your heart, you got five seconds to make a decision to do it. After the five seconds, your brain goes into a spotlight effect, which says something's wrong and it's going to justify every reason why you shouldn't do this, this thing. Yeah. So at that moment, as soon as I heard, it was like, you see, you're a hypocrite. You never told somebody what happened to you at 12. I picked up the phone and I started dialing men that are all leaders. Some of them were pastors. Yeah. One, give me a call. I got something important to share with you. Next guy, give me a call. Voicemails, give me a call. The sixth yeah. guy picked the phone up. And the sixth guy, <clears throat> I told him, look, this has happened to me at 12, and I've been having these thoughts. And I need you to pray for me. And he prayed for me. And he said, don't hang up the phone. The same thing happened to me in a different way. Whoa. And he told me his thing. I prayed for him. Out of the six leaders, six pastors, they were all leaders. Four of them had the same problem. Oh, my goodness. That's and I, God. And I prayed for, we all prayed for each other. And, and since then, I had never had that thought. And, um, and I've talked, talked to them, and, and it was yeah. all broken. The curse was broken from all of our lives. Oh, that's so The next good. day, I did another men's meeting. And that was fresh in my heart. So I told the guys, yeah. I had about 14 men in the room. Yeah. And I asked them all, have you done anything? Or has anything happened to you? Out of 14 guys, there was only one guy that didn't say anything. He didn't say nothing happened to him. He just didn't say anything. The other 13 said yes. So it was, and then the next night yeah. I did it again. And it was eight guys in the room. And one guy didn't say yes or no, and the other seven said yes. And it's not like, um, you know, rape or anything like that. It's little boys become adventurous yeah, and do yeah. stupid things. You know, two brothers used to play swords with their, yeah, with their, yeah. their things, and, and, and they opened that door. And, yeah. and and the whole life, you know, am I a man? Am I am I this? Am I that? Yeah, am I gay? Am I not? Yeah, and it's just that darkness and that shame. It's just you know, Satan's just gonna capitalize on that and say, oh, I'll I'll find a definition for that. Yeah. Whereas so, God's like bringing into the light. Yeah. So now, if you look wow. at if you look at my story, that happened to me at twelve. 
Yeah. And it was like after that, I went buck wild chasing women down. So if I have this thought that I'm this, how do I overcome it? Yeah. The more women I have, then I'm not, right? Right. And it got to a point where I had five women at the same time, sleeping with three different women in one day. Yeah. It was insane. So I was an addict with that. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> and you're looking for masculinity through that as well. Yeah. Looking for validation. Yeah. You know, you go to the woman for, to see, am I yeah. a man? You know, men take their report cards to the woman. Right. And say, am I A or am I F? And if a, woman, if a woman says you're an F, then you think you're an F. Yeah. But we take that, we're supposed to take that card to the Lord. Yeah. You know, what does God say about me? Yeah. Am I A in his eyes? Then mm. I'm okay. Yeah. If I'm not, then I got something to work with. Yeah. You understand? And, um... <clears throat> So, you know, that addiction, I got free from that about seven years ago. Yeah. And and it's funny because some, I was talking to a man this morning about it. And um, God heals everybody different. Yeah. There's no cookie cutter way. You know, one blind man spits in the eye, the other one puts mud in the other guy's eyes, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, for me, you know, you, you read the scriptures, you take thoughts captive, you... You make a covenant with your eyes and you're doing all this stuff and you keep falling and falling and falling. And it was years that I really felt alone because I was in church and no one ever talked about it. Yeah. I had one pastor who was an associate pastor. He was a young man. He told me, Tony, do you have issues with wandering eyes? And I was like, it was like, thank you. Somebody. (laughs) Somebody's talking about it. Well, I'm not the only one. Mm. It's like you feel all alone, like you're the only one that's trapped in this thing. Yeah. And and, and no one, you know, I never heard anybody ever say anything before that. Yeah. And um, so I was doing all that stuff, and then God set me free to go rescue men. Yeah. And it was crazy. Like the first meeting I was going to do, I was doing a book while at heart. Yeah. And I just said, if I'm leading men, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And two weeks before that was the last time I ever looked at anything, and I've been clean for seven years now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, it wasn't like somebody prayed for me. It was right. just, I'm not going to do this anymore. Enough is enough. Yeah. You know, but when I started... Real, I let was, me stop you there and yeah. just to say that there is men who have discovered the power of God to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And that's important to say because as a young man, I struggled a lot. On and off, I think, even as an older man. And, and I'm telling you what, but as a young man, I remember being hopeless. I was like, every man is doing this. Every man is. Because I couldn't find any older men or men my age that weren't. Every, like, I, I have a terrible story of going up for prayer, you know, for this. And then this older man, I mean, like 60s, you know, like 55, 60, going, okay, when I'm done praying for you, you pray for me for this. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, this is hopeless. I am trapped. I will, there is no way out. It was so sad. I was so, but so, so I'm saying all kept that to himself, uh, I mean, you know. I tell you what. So I'm just sharing that to say, here's two men, by the grace of God, there is power to overcome this. You may think it's, uh, it's unovercomable. It is just too strong. There is more power in God to overcome it. Yeah. It's, it's overcomable. For sure. Yeah, so just have hope that way. So. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, <laughs> but you know, laugh now. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> I've done stuff in that arena that I could have gotten arrested for. Thank God I've never molested anybody. Yeah. But it's um, it's a drug. Hmm. And 
you take a hit of drugs and you need more next time and you need more next time and it's got to be more exciting the next time and, and it just keeps going and keeps going and, and it's a the defilement it's a yoke that the enemy puts on you mm. and it controls you and you it, it gets to a point where when you're young it's fun but then it yokes you click and now it controls you you don't control it mm-hmm yeah, and only the power of God that can unlock that lock off that yoke and set you free. Yeah, Amen. so <clears throat> so that happened. Um, and I had I had a mentor of mine say, "Tony, you're a miracle." Mm. You know, I had a son killed when I was younger in age, and I'm not gonna go into details because somebody yeah. else is involved in that or what age or anything. But it, it it hurt me for years, 17 years of my life. If I saw a man playing it with his son, it ripped my heart out. Mm. And then the story that the enemy put on me is because you were too stupid. And that's why she did what she did. And uh, Which is a complete ac- accusing lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your, now, so, your son was murdered or killed uh-huh. because you're too stupid. I mean, that's just, that's evil. Yeah. I, that's, that's why I hate Satan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, oh. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so... Throughout the years, what what do you look at? You know, I got married when I was about 27 years old. Yeah. Didn't know the Lord at all. Yeah. So, you know, grew up Catholic, worked at, the, my dad worked at a Jewish camp. So I still remember prayers in Hebrew. I used to go to, to, the, to their services and put a yarmulke on my head. And, um, you know, at the time when I was younger, that's the first man that I, uh, young man, I was in that camp. And he says, I don't know why they let you, the N-word for a Latino, in this camp, and I just turned around and punched him in the, in the throat. And mm. He was turning blue, and um, <clears throat> my my cousin was with me, and she said, "You killed him." I said, "That's what he deserves," you know. Mm. And thank God he took a breath because he was turning blue. Yeah, you know. And so that's the first time that I I hit somebody for disrespecting me that way. And then when I was older in school, another guy came by and took my place on the foot. I took his place on the football team, and he called me a punk and slapped me in the ear. Just tap. I got up and hit him four or five times. Busted his lip, knocked him out. Busted mm-hmm. his eye open. All this stuff. And um, <clears throat> and another time, something else like that happened. So anytime somebody bullied me in any way, like, just touch me. You know, the first kid disrespecting me big time by using that word. And this guy touched me, and it wasn't a hard hit. I shouldn't hit him the way I did. Mm. And then the other guy just, he, I stepped on his sneakers by mistake, and he pushed me. And I just wailed on him. But now. When an enemy does anything towards me, mm. I attack him the same way, with truth. So when he says, I'm not smart enough, I say, no, I'm creating God's image. You're not good enough. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. You're under my feet, chump. Yeah. So when he attacks me, and I heard a, um, <clears throat> a pastor, his name is Gary Noel, and he has a ministry called Outreach America. And he does about 50,000 kids from inner cities that come to camps, sports camps, and they don't, that's all scholarshiped. Yeah. 50,000 kids in the summer, last time I heard. And um, I heard that's him say huge. something that transformed me. He says, whenever the enemy comes against me, I double up what he doesn't want me to do. So when I was getting attacked, and I got married and was married for 13 years, and then divorce started happening, we got separated. Hmm. And at that moment, 
it was it was a defining moment. I'll go back to double up in, this, yeah. in a couple of seconds. So after 13 years of married, had four kids, <clears throat> and I'm still dealing with the sexual addiction. My ex-wife caught me once doing something stupid, and that ripped her heart out. Mm. You know, we're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a Christian man, and you're doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what's crazy is at the time I was in church on worship teams, playing percussions, taking leadership courses, and all that stuff. And still dealing with that. Mm. But I never, ever told anybody about it. I just kept it to myself. And mm -hmm. so on one hand, you know, I felt like I was spitting God in the face. Mm. And on the other hand, you know, my wife and I were falling apart. The marriage was falling apart. Yeah. So I'm less than a man to her. Mm. And... Um, so I was in a real dark place in my life, a quiet desperation, didn't know what to do. I had reached out to some people. They said, we're going to help. It didn't work. Yeah. And um, everything fell apart. And the day she left, I said, it was the best day of my life and the worst day at the same time. I had four kids at, you know, five and, you know, probably seven, 11, 13, somewhere like that at the time. And, you know, you come home and all of a sudden nobody's home. Yeah. So the first day that that happened, <clears throat> I came home and everything was gone. And I got on my face. And it says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the words that came out of my mouth were, God, if you're real, you got to show me. So all the years of going through church, taking leadership courses and all that stuff, and the words that come out of my heart, it's if you're real, you got to show me. It's almost bringing me to tears now. I was so lost. Yeah. But I believe that was my salvation moment. Hmm. That day was crazy. So I picked up the Bible. I started reading the Bible. I don't go to sleep till 11, 12 o'clock. And I'll sleep six hours and get up. Yeah. Wake up. Seven hours max. That day I fell asleep at 8 o'clock at night. I slept to the next day till 10 o'clock in the morning. I got over 14 hours of sleep, and it was the best sleep of my life. Mm. Mm. And what I felt was the Lord says, I got you. Mm. And the Holy Spirit started training me. It wasn't no man that told me to do anything. It was no counselor, nothing. It's like, call this girlfriend and ask her for forgiveness on this. Call that one and ask her for forgiveness on that. Um, <clears throat> you know... After, after three weeks and not hearing from my ex, I heard from her and, and we talked and, and, you know, she says some, you know, some things and one of the things is you, I, need, I need to go to counseling. And the five second rule again was crazy. So right after I hung up the phone, Michael Fletcher, who's man of church down in Fayetteville, I'm living in Johnson County. So his church is an hour away. I've only been there two times for... Uh, for concerts, but I always would hear him on the radio teaching at, I think it was like 12.30 for an hour on families. And so the first thought that came to me was Michael Fletcher. I said, okay. I pick up the phone, I call Man of Church, probably had three or 4,000 members on his church back then. I think it's like 15,000 now. I talked to a secretary. I said, I speak to Michael Fletcher. She goes, who is this? I said, Tony Cologne. She goes to me, hold on. He picks up the phone and says, hey, Tony Cologne, friend, how you doing? I said, I'm not the Tony Cologne you think I am. Because he 
sounded like he knew me. And I told him my situation. He says, hold on a second. He put me through to his family pastor, Pastor Joe. This happened over 13, 14 years ago. I talked to Pastor Joe this week and tell him that he changed my life. He gave me, he said, Tony, if you want to change your life, you got an hour and a half to get here. I said, I'm on the way. Never second guess and never hesitated. Get down there. He says, Tony, look, because I told my ex to call him and I get there and he says, she has some wonderful things to say about you. And he gave me a whole list. You know, it was obviously not that great. <laughs> and he goes, let me tell you something. 100%. 75%, 25%, or zero, how much of it is your fault? I said, 100%. He says, good, and he closed his Bible. He said, I don't have to teach you that you're the man of the house. Whatever happens in your house is your fault. Next question, and this is as fast as I'm telling you, is as fast as this happened. <laughs> you know, obviously he said, hello, my name is Pastor Joe. I just <laughs> talked to your wife, and that's how it started. Yeah. He says, now, whatever is hindering your walk with God is what's affecting everybody else around you. What is it? And I started confessing my sins. And he says, I just got to lead you back to the cross. Hmm. Wow. Now, this is where it gets crazy. It was like, it was like, a, the, it was like the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. It's like, no, you've been mine all these years. And God's no, he's mine now. So, it was crazy with the sexual addiction. Mm. And I tell people this, and some people on this podcast may not may think I'm crazy, may think it's crazy, I'm just, what I'm going to say. I would read the word, and I would go and do stupid stuff mm. in darkness. And I would go back to the word, and I would go back to stupid stuff in darkness multiple times in the day. Mm. Saying is no your mind, no God's mind. No your mind, and back and forth. And I asked people, is there anything wrong with that? They said, heck yeah, that's crazy. I said, no, I kept going back to the Word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, <laughs> your story is a story of hope. I mean, people get deep, deep, deep in pit. And uh, just like you. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I, I wanted to say, just as a kind of a, I've known people that have that have broken up in marriages, and ended up, you know, contemplating suicide. You know, it's over, and my life is over. I was yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And um, what would you say to those those folks? Because I, I I there's got there's people that that cross that bridge, and they're like, it's over, and it's not over, is it? You're a living testimony. It's not over. But. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> it was crazy because, man, why are you racking up all these emotions, brother? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was the toughest season of my life. Yeah. Because I love my kids so much. And it was like the death of the, my first son came back to me fourfold because I have four kids. And you come home to a house and you don't have kids running up to you saying, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, hugging you, kissing you, and you're all alone. And then they move back to New York. And I made, I made, a, <clears throat> there was three goals that I had during that time. Number one, I got to look God eye to eye and say, Lord, you know I did my best. 
the second person, I got to look my wife eye to eye and now my ex-wife and say, you know, I did my best. And with my kids, I did my best. And I started walking with God and I started, you know, just loving her as much as I can. I started studying scripture, love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, not proud, I don't know the whole thing and it doesn't hold records of wrong and, and it doesn't boast and all that stuff. And I was just breaking it down, breaking it down, no matter what happened, I just stood on that word of that truth. Because mm. I knew that I have to, I'm gonna be held accountable before God and before my kids with that situation. And you know, I remember one day my young my young daughter at five years old telling me, you know, mommy's so mean to you, but um, you know, and you love mom. And I just said, honey, mommy loves me. She just right now doesn't know how to express it and change the subject. And all those things were in my heart. Going from here to New York, I would, I would, they moved to New York, and I would I was almost homeless here. I was so depressed during that season of life. Mm. And. Um, and you're talking about suicide. There were many times when I just thought it's not worth living. It's not worth the pain. Because when you go to New York, okay, you're excited about seeing your kids, but you know you're only going to be there for 24, 48 hours, and you have to leave again. So it's exciting, but it's painful. I do understand why men just walk away. Because of the pain. They don't want to do, go through the pain. It's too much. Because every time you see your kids, it reminds you of your failure. You know, my daughter telling me one day, you know, Daddy, I, I was crying for you this week. It's like sticking the knife in my heart and turning it because I know it's my fault. Yeah. And, you know, driving to New York and you do all that, you turn around and come back and you leave your kids. There were days I, I cried for hours just driving back and forth. And, but I said they're never going to call another man Daddy, only me. I was almost homeless here. From my depression during that season, my income was like sixty thousand a year, and it went down to twenty. Child support was twelve hundred dollars, and going to New York was a thousand dollars every three weeks, so that equals to twenty thousand and something. And I, I was paying three hundred seventy-five dollars rent that I couldn't even pay. Yeah. But I said I'm gonna be dad. I don't care if I live in a car. And and so, let me just stop there for a minute. The there are men who feel like I can't endure that much pain. And I do think you're right. Men walk away from their children because of the pain of their own failures. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be that man. Mm -hmm. You there is and the and there's and it's you're not alone. You're not the only man that has ever failed. <laughs> For example, a lot of men have failed. Mm -hmm. uh, but very few have are willing to suffer, if you will, through that failure to get to the other side. Where one day, and I know they, you know, the way your story has evolved. I mean, your children have come back and said, it's just been incredible. But I tell you what, it would be different if you said, I can't deal with this pain and would have walked away from them. Yeah. You know, one of the things, and <clears throat> when I was speaking at, at the heart of a warrior, um, I'm married now um, to my wife, Kim, and she was really the important part of getting my ex-wife and I relationship you know, I love my ex-wife like she's my sister, and mm. and um, we respect each other, and we can talk and go to, go out together for dinners with the kids, and everything's cool. You know, I remember my my wife now. She tells Kim is her name, sending me a text message. You know, my ex-wife's uh, 
sent a message back that she loves her. And I was like, what did you do? And she said, <laughs> I sent her a message for birth, happy birthday and told her I loved her. And she said, I love you too. <clears throat> and I remember one day my ex and I were sitting together. My son graduated from college and my oldest son. And um, he, uh, she, so my, I'm sitting, my, my wife next to me, my ex-wife next to her. And people ask my ex-wife, how can you get along with Kim so, uh, so much? And she hugged my wife and said, she's the most loving person that there is. That's just incredible. So God redeemed everything. We're going to stop it right there. To hear the rest of Tony's incredible story, tune in next episode. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey, we're just getting started out, so any help you can provide to share it with your friends would be great. Uh, we just kicked off a Facebook page, uh, the Kindling Fire podcast and uh, just any episodes that you like uh, share it with your friends and um, if you'd like to reach out to us you can reach us at thekindlingfire at gmail.com or if you'd like any more information about myself or some of the things that I write you can go to troyandkathy.com